Hi, this is Pastor JC. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast here at Faith Outreach Church. We want to invite you anytime you're in the area to come by and visit us at 3001 Wallace Avenue here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Sit back and enjoy today's message. There we go. All right. Thank you. Let me try to get this back on now. Uh, all right. There we go. Well, praise the Lord. And so we're just, we're so blessed to be here. Uh, there's, uh, uh, we've always uh, loved your pastor and, and uh, uh, now we, we love his uh, latest new thing. <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, and... Um, and it's just, it's wonderful to be here. There's a wonderful presence of the Lord here, isn't there? Yeah. Hallelujah. It should be that way, right? Every church should be full of energy, full of, full of love, full of joy. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Full of healing. Amen. <laughs> Let me encourage you, brother. When I went to Ramah back in 85, was our first year? We went down there in 85. I had a, um, a serious problem in my shoulder. I grew up in uh, Washington. It's kind of wet up there, and it's easy to get, um, you know, when you get older, if you've been in construction, to get all kinds of arthritis problems, and that's what I had. I had a, my right shoulder. I used to, used to swing a 32-ounce framing hammer, uh, which is pretty heavy, <laughs> and it ruined my shoulder, and I went to some doctors, and, of course, they told me I had to have, you know, surgery and replace something with some plastic or something. I don't know. I just didn't listen to that, and... Um, uh, just believe God for healing, and uh, uh, for a long time. <laughs> and uh, I would eat. I, I would be fine during the day when I would work because my mind was off of it. But at night, I'd, I'd I'd have pain, you know, at home. And so I would um, I would eat aspirins. I could eat aspirins like I could eat candy. I got so good at it. It didn't bother me. I liked the taste of. Them. I ate so much, and uh, just to take care of that pain, you know. And um, and then I went down to Rama, obeyed God, and went to Rama. In my first meeting there, uh, Pastor Hagen got up, and after the end of the service, he said, there's somebody here with a right shoulder problem. My wife was sitting next to me, of course, and our best friends were sitting on the other side of us. And, and they all looked at me, and they said, you need to go up there. I said, I'm not going up there. <laughs> and he, so he kept calling. People come up, and, and he, he'd say to them, he said, no, it's not you, but God will heal you anyway. And he'd pray for them, you know. And, uh, you know, I didn't want him to say that to me. <laughs> I was a young Christian. I was only a year old Christian, you know. And, um, and so I didn't go up. And uh, as we were walking out to the car, you know, my wife and my two friends were really, uh, you know, jumping on me. Why didn't you go up? You should have went up. That was for you. And I finally just, you know, said, okay, I don't want to hear about it. And I went, I went home and um, I repented. I said, God, please forgive me. I, I, I should have went up. But I was scared. Uh, you know, uh, before I was saved, I was the quietest man on the earth. You ask my wife, you don't believe me. I couldn't talk. I would, I would get, in, you know, even in a group of people, I was, I was intimidated by it. just a small group of people. Um, and um, I remember when I first got saved, and I, and I told my wife that God called me to be a missionary in, uh, in, in Romania, and I was going to preach the gospel. She laughed so hard she cried. <laughs> She said, you realize you have to talk to preach. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm going to have to develop in that one, I know. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I grew up in a very stern environment. My father was a, 
was a military man, I had to ask permission to talk. So I grew up my life not, not talking much, you know, and just listening, which is a good thing. No amens on that one? <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, I woke up that next morning after I'd repented. The first time in several years, I woke up without pain. I used to always wake up with pain in my shoulder. And when I woke up, I thought, what is this? No pain? I told my wife, that whole day no pain? The next day no pain? It was gone. I mean, the Lord's merciful. <laughs> and he'll heal you. You're his child. It belongs to you. He's your father. He loves you. <laughs> it's that simple. That's all you have to believe. I mean, if you're born again. Now, if you're not born again, then he'll just be merciful to you and heal you. But as a child, it belongs to you. Well, I just wanted to say this to you, brother. It was about six months after that. No pain, never. Didn't need any more aspirins. And um, one morning I woke up, I had pain in that shoulder. Went to Bible school. And Brother Hagen taught on that, that very day, how to, how, to, how to keep your healing. And how you have to resist when the devil comes to steal it. <laughs> and so I did that all day long. The pain didn't go. All day, all night, but I didn't take any aspirins. Next morning I woke up, no pain. Never had any pain in that shoulder since. So this happens to a lot of people when they get healed, they lose it. The devil brings back those lying symptoms. Amen. You have to resist them. They don't belong to you. It's a lie. It may seem real, it may feel real, but it's from the devil. If he can get you to accept it, if you believe it, be it unto you according to your faith. Works both positive and in the negative realm. You just got to maintain your faith. You got to keep stay in faith. You got to keep believing that Jesus is your healer. Amen. Amen. So his work is final. When it's done, it's done. Whom the sun sets free is free. Amen. You just stand, brother. No matter what, no matter what happens, you stand and believe, and you'll see it. You'll walk, you'll you'll keep that healing. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to introduce my wife to you. I think most, some of you know her. Miss Becky, would you please stand up and show everybody how blessed I am? <laughs> She's given me um, three outstanding kids. They're, they're not children anymore. I guess you can tell by looking at us. But, but uh, looking at me, that's what I meant to say. Wow. I asked the Lord to help me be you know, put a guard on my mouth and a watch on my tongue, and he, he's helping, she's, they're helping me. <laughs> and so, um, uh, yeah, and we got, um, uh, we got uh, four grandchildren now, and two more coming. So, we're working on six, and I'm sure there'll be more than that. So, Lord has really blessed us. Our work is um, doing well. Everything's, you know, um, going well with all kinds of problems. Hallelujah. <laughs> You think you can do the work of God without problems, you're very naive. Because everything you're doing is against the devil, and he'll try to stop you. Yeah. You know? And so don't be surprised when, you know, things come. Yeah. <laughs> I get nervous when things aren't coming. <laughs> I get nervous when the nervous doesn't seem like I'm being persecuted right now, or nothing wrong has happened. I start talking, Lord, Lord, is everything okay? <laughs> and that's the way it is, you know, on the front lines. Amen. But it'll make you strong. Praise the Lord. And that's a good way to live, right? And that's what we all want. We want to be strong for the Lord, right? 
Listen, I really want to get into my message this morning. I've got an important, probably the most important message the Lord's ever given me to the body of Christ. How many know we're living in the last days? I think, I think Ray Charles could see that. I think it's so obvious. Don't you? You don't have to be a theologian or a, pros- a, a prophecy preacher to figure this out. It's very obvious we are in the last days. That means that you very well could be one of those very few blessed people that are raptured. That your body changes in a twinkling of an eye. That you get this new body that never gets sick, never gets weak, never dies, never gets old. That can be in the spirit realm and in the natural realm and can do all kinds of things like like Superman. This is one of the things the Lord's promised to his faithful. Just one. But it's a good one. It's a big one. (laughs) Yeah, change in a twinkling eye. You got this (laughs) supernatural body. Wow. That's going to happen to some people in the future. And I'm serious. I believe we're that close. It could be us. I mean, you think about it. In the last few years... We've had many um, worldwide events happen. If you look through history, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen very often. The things that happen that, that affect the whole world is what I'm talking about. You look through history, there's not too many of those. And we've had, we had the, 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 the stock market problem in, what was that, 2008? Then we had 9-11. Uh, and um, I think COVID affected the world, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> And, and this war, we, we, there's wars going on all, on all the time, but this is affecting the world. You see, these are all warning signs from God to get ready, to be prepared, because there's two things that are happening. Evil is going to increase, and so is the power of God. And I said that in the wrong way, forgive me, Lord. The power of God will increase, and evil will increase in, at the same time, you see. I think everybody's aware of this now. They used to call us conspiracy conspiracy theorist when we talk about the new world order but now everybody knows that the new world order really exists and this is the plan of Satan and of course the plan includes stealing killing and destroying that's what he does and and more than that this plan is to is to um, uh, is to to weaken the church to weaken Christians you know that's the that, that's what he's trying to do he's trying to And the way he does that is by just keeping us away from God. That's why it's important for you to come to every meeting, come to these prayer meetings. Amen. In these last days, we're supposed to come together more often. Because we're going to need that strength that we get from the body of Christ. When the body comes together, you got Jesus' eyes. This is is what's precious to him. (laughs) This is what's important to him. And what's important to him should be important to you. If you appreciate what he did for you. Do you appreciate what he did for you? He went to that whipping post for you. Yes, he did. Those stripes were were your penalty stripes. He took them. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was spit on. All for you. He was nailed to that cross for you. And he went to hell for three days and three nights and was tormented in the same way as he was on that day on the cross. He was tormented the same way for three days and three nights in hell. 
The punishment didn't stop at Golgotha. It went on in Hades. He did that all for you. So you could live in paradise forever. So you could be free from your sin problem and be about God's work. Amen. We're so blessed. Amen. And so it's very important in these last days that we know what the Holy Spirit's saying and what's important to Jesus and hook up with that because he's the answer. Does he have the answers for the last day? We have to understand this. The Bible tells us in the last days, many, many will fall. The Bible tells us there are going to be many false prophets. The Bible, the Bible tells us that many will be deceived. And it's not just talking about the world. It's talking about Christians. Many. And so we don't want to be in that category. Amen. We want to be in the category that stands strong in these last days. And are used mightily by God. Because that's going to happen. There's a, there's a revival coming. That, that the Bible says is going to fill the whole earth. There's going to be a revival coming. That's never. It's like no revival that has ever happened before. But we must understand also. The Bible says it's going to be quick. What that means is you're going to have to be ready before it comes. Or you'll be one of those that are just looking around. Wondering what's going on. And wondering why you didn't get involved. Amen. Because if you look again at what Jesus said throughout the Gospels in the last days, He said, be ready. That was the most important thing He said. All His parables, all His stories about the last days, all are focused on being ready. Well, that means there's going to be a lot of people that are not ready. And so you must evaluate yourself. Are you ready? If Jesus comes today, if He comes tonight when you're sleeping, you see, are you ready? Well, this is what we need to make sure of. Because the Bible tells us that there were ten virgins and only five were ready. Right? right. Amen. So, I want to show you something here out of the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be in the book of Ephesians for a few minutes. Um, in the book of Ephesians, we, we see um, in chapter 5, verse 27, he said he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. Okay? This is the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the great will of your heavenly Father. God has always wanted holy people, just like we read there in, in Deuteronomy chapter, was it 28? He wants holy people. God hates sin. Sin to God is is, is, is it's. It's gross. It's putrid. He can't accept it. It will never enter heaven. Never allowed there. It's a holy place. And everybody there is holy. Amen. And so, this is what Jesus is going to be doing and has started and is going to be doing in the last days. He's working on the church to perfect it, to make it holy. Now don't shut me down. This is the work that the Lord will be doing. Because this is what He wants. He wants you holy. Amen. And, and He says that throughout the Scriptures. He talks about it right here. Amen. He wants us to be holy. And if you look at it in Ephesians chapter 1, that's what He starts out this book, uh, this epistle writing about in chapter 1 verse 4. 
at the bottom of the verse is that, that it should be holy and without blame before him in love. You see? So he tells us right away what this epistle is about and what the Lord is going to do. He's going to present to himself in the last days a holy church. Amen. And that's the work he's begun. And if you'll connect with it, you'll be glad you did. You see? We talk about holiness, people, people get kind of squeamish, you know, like, you mean I have to get rid of my sin? <laughs> no, the Lord will get rid of your sin. But you've got to want to get rid of it. Amen. See, again, you talk about holiness, you talk about sin, people are not used to that. Christians aren't used to that. And this is the problem, this is the problem we have in the church. So we don't have holy Christians. But throughout history, and I've read it, there were many times, many, many times that, that um, uh, people, uh, Christians, were holy people. That God did a work, and they were holy people. And so, it's not your responsibility to become holy. Okay? This is the Lord's work. Of course, we're laborers together with Him. Amen. But, but I found that, you know, since I've been preaching this, Christians all over just, they have no idea how to become holy. They have no idea how to get rid of sin. And many times the, their ideas about it's all, it's all false doctrine and that's the reason why they're frustrated. And I know, I dealt with this for a long time. In fact, a couple years ago, I began to seek the Lord about this a lot, put it on my heart. And I'll tell you, I was like the Roman 7 man. I was, you know, the flesh against the mind and the mind against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and... <laughs> I was struggling. I was trying. I was doing everything I can to be what God wanted me to be. And then he showed me how. Praise the Lord. And the truth set me free. Hallelujah. And so I'm here to tell you how. I'm going to teach you today simply, uh, just to you know, I can't teach you much on it, but I'm going to teach you simply how to be holy and how to overcome sin. Yeah. Don't you think that's good? Yes. Don't you want that? Yes. Wouldn't you love to live a life without compromise? Yes. Zero compromise? Well, that's the, way the, that's the way some of the churches are going to be in the last days. Those that are hooking up with what Jesus is doing. When that, again, <laughs> you know, we see throughout the Bible what God could do with just one person, one man or one woman that was all for God. What could he do? <laughs> you understand, there was like five, 500 uh, years, I think, between the Malachi and, and John the Baptist. There was no one that we can see of him that was, you know, uh, living right for God. And, and but yet John Baptist came, one man, yeah. one man. Yeah. And, and, and God, you know, changed the hearts of the people of Israel and prepared the way for Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, what do you think about a whole church full of people like that? Yeah. Where everybody in the church is holy, completely consecrated, completely dedicated. Where God has been working on them and transforming them. So they all become like Jesus. <laughs> that's what he wants. And that's what you're going to want. And that's what's going to happen. Guaranteed. Because it's he that does the work. If he's going to present to himself a glorious church, then he's going to do the work. And he'll get the glory. Amen. Amen. And so I know you agree with all that, but you're wondering, okay, how's that going to happen? And I'm going to explain it to you. All right? Now, um, basically, I'm going to say it uh, 
in one or two phrases here, and then I'm going to show it to you, okay? Um, if you go back with me to chapter 4, we have some scriptures here that we need to look at. Verse, uh, first, we'll start with verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which is after God created in righteousness and true holiness. Okay? Do you believe that? Do you believe you've been created in righteousness and true holiness? Well, some people have taken this message to the extreme and, and turned it into false doctrine. See, there's basically two, two theories or um, two theologies about, about um, being holy. All right? And, um, um, and most Christians are in one or the other. Now, and I've been in both. But I got out of both of them, praise God, because the truth has set me free. And you're, in, you're probably in one of the other ones, but I'll explain it to you. With a lot of Christians and a lot of ministers, they believe that salvation is without works, it's free, it's the grace of God, amen. But sanctification is done by works. That's how a lot of denominations believe, that's how a lot of preachers believe, and that's what they teach and preach. And then they basically, when they teach on holiness or overcoming sin, uh, they're basically teaching that, you know, um, that you have to put much effort to, that you have to fight. And of course, you don't fight in your own strength. You, you get help from God and you overcome. And so they'll do things like, you know, um, uh, make great decisions, determined decisions, uh, and maybe even fast to overcome a bad habit, a sinful habit. Or, or the same thing to, to develop a good habit. Okay? And that's, that's basically what they do is they go through this, this, this works of, of trying to become holy. This does not work. I tried this. It's unscriptural. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. This is not the way the Bible teaches. This will turn you in. If you try this and you work on this, you'll become uh, better. But unfortunately, you'll become like a Pharisee or a scribe. And, and, and you're going to get all the credit and glory for it because you did it. Yeah. Oh, you might have got his help, but you're going to have to get some glory because you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, this does not work, and I don't recommend it for anyone. Now, the other theory is this, and this is probably where most of you are in. These Christians believe, like the Scripture says, I've been recreated righteous, and I've been uh, transformed, I've been completed, I've been... Uh, made holy. My heart has been changed. I received a new birth. I received a new life. I received a new nature. And I'm holy. And I'm righteous. And I'll never be any more holy or any more righteous than I am now because I am the righteous of God in Christ. that bear witness with you? Yes. <laughs> and you might think, okay, why are you going to explain that one? Is that wrong? Well, if that's all you do, then yes, that's wrong. And that's where a lot of Christians are at. They just settled into that fact. They got born again. They received a new nature, a new life, a new heart. And, and they don't do anything else that the Bible says about putting on and putting off. And therefore, what happens is they never grow. They never mature. They never become godly. They don't come holy. Oh, they might in some areas of their life. That's simple for them to do. But they don't really do the work that they're called of God to do. 
They never become like Christ. They just settle in and becoming the way they are. And even though their nature has been changed, they still live according to that new nature, which is selfish. They're very committed to their self. Doing what they want to do. Living the life they want to live. Fulfilling their appetites and their thirst, even if they're wrong. Because I'm righteous. And this is where a lot of the church is right now. This is not pleasing to the Lord. This is not His way. Look what it says here. And um, verse 22, he says, Put off the former conversation, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You see? You have to put that off. How do you put that off? I'm going to teach you how. Let's talk about putting off sin. Then, of course, in verse 25, he says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So we know that that needs to happen, right? When you were saved, nothing happened to the mind, right? It has to be renewed, right? Whose responsibility is that? It's God's. Mostly, it's the Lord's. <laughs> Amen. Now, I'll go back to chapter 5. Verse 26, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it by the washing and the water of the word. It's Jesus that presents to himself the glorious church. And he'll wash you. He'll wash you spiritually. He'll wash you mentally. He'll wash you in every way. He'll cleanse you. He'll purify you. He'll make you holy. He'll change the way you think. He will transform you by the power of his Holy Spirit. It's not hard for him. He wants to do it. He's good at it. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He can take a crazy man who's been living in a cemetery, cutting himself, naked, breaking chains, hurting people, and turn him into a perfect gentleman in a moment of time. That's our king. Nothing difficult for him. Don't you believe that? Don't you sing that? Don't you expect that? Don't, aren't you believing that? And But the problem is, is most Christians are believing that just for their natural realm. Not concerned about developing spiritually. And that's what the Lord wants to wake us up to. Amen? Of course God wants you blessed naturally. You see it in the scripture. We just read 14 verses on it. Of course he does. But it also said something in there about being holy. Well, that's most important to him. He don't want you getting excited about, you know, some new uh, physical thing, material thing, earthly thing. He wants you excited about the greater riches, spiritual things. And I'll tell you, there's nothing greater than becoming like Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Amen. People that become like Jesus, they become very wonderful people. Amen. And that's what he wants for your life. Don't you know it? Don't you know that? Yeah. If you look over in Ephesians chapter 1, we have this prayer. Verse 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, um, our, uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
whom the whole family is in heaven and, and, and earth is named. Um, and then verse 16. Wait a minute, where are we at here? That's chapter 3. Excuse me, chapter 1. Um, yeah, verse 18. Well, verse 17. Well, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you um, the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of Him. So you see, He's called the Father of glory. It's the glory of God that transforms people. Amen. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about being filled with Spirit, which is a commandment of the Lord, to be filled with the Spirit. Some Christians look at being filled with the Spirit as optional. You know, I can't meet any time. No, being filled with the Spirit is how you're supposed to live. It's a commandment. You look throughout the Bible, and, and there's all kinds of commandments. There's all kinds of promises. There's all kinds of blessings. Most Christians are looking at the promises and the blessings, not the commandments. And, and so throughout the Bible, we have these be commandments. These are stronger commandments than regular commandments. Like it says, be holy. Be filled with the Spirit. These are commandments. These are not suggestions. You see? It's telling us how to live and the way we should live. So he tells us here um, in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And so each person's got a calling, right? Are you called? Does God have a purpose for your life? Is there a grace for that? Is there divine ability for that? Is that what you were created for? Did Jesus create you? Did he recreate you? Did he recreate you to do good works? That's what it says here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You have a calling. But Paul said in the book of Philippians that there's a high calling. And that's the first calling. That's the most important calling. That's the calling you're supposed to be working as a Christian with God on every day. And that calling is to be like Christ. The high calling of God is in Christ. And in Christ doesn't just mean, and it doesn't foundationally mean that you were born again and so you're in Christ. In Christ, the foundational meaning of in Christ means that you abide in Him. That's the only way you're going to become like Him. Amen. That's the only way you're going to receive that life. That spiritual substance that makes you strong. Amen. Hallelujah. So basically, as we look in the, in the book of Ephesians, it's basically, it's, it's a manual on how to become a glorious Christian and how, to become, how, how God wants us to become a glorious church. That's what the book of Ephesians is. Ephesians 5.27 is the heart of it. It's the heartbeat of it. He wants, he wants a glorious church. He wants holy Christians. This is extremely important to your father, to your king, and to the greater one. It has to become important to you. Amen. And so that's what the Lord's trying to do. He's trying to wake up the church. Amen. And get them, get, get them on the right course, the right road. Hallelujah. We've learned a lot, and, and, and we're ready for it. Amen. I know Brother Hagin said this. He said that, you know, the, that the Lord told him when he told him, he want, I want you to go and teach my people faith. That was his, that was his assignment. His assignment was to teach faith. That was his basic assignment. 
And, and the Lord told him then that, that, that um, uh, you know, that this, 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 new, this teaching, um, this new move of God w was basically so, so Christians could use it for pure things, like getting people saved. <laughs> as far as it gone off of that. It seems like faith message now is all about money. If that's not corrupt, I don't know what is. Come on, don't get quiet because I'm preaching good. That's not the true riches. And again, God, doesn't, God, God wants you to be prosperous, of course. He loves you. You're his child. He wants to take care of you. But there's something far better for you and will, will completely change you into a wonderful person to where you start thinking, talking, acting, and living like Jesus Christ. Amen. What a way to live. Amen. Wasn't he the greatest? People that met him were changed instantly just by looking at him. Yeah. You look in Jesus' eyes and you know what you see? You see someone who knows everything about you and still loves you. Yeah. I'm sure of it. I've never seen his eyes, but I'm sure that's the way they are. Don't you think? Yeah. And so basically, what, what we see in the book of Ephesians... Is, is, the, is the way to get on this road. The way to live the godly, holy life that God wants you to. The way to cooperate with God the way He wants you to. And so I heard a, a well-known preacher here recently say that, you know, he never uh, says much about the devil, doesn't teach much about the devil. He said that uh, God, Jesus did something about the devil and we shouldn't say anything about the devil. But I'll tell you what, he's a part of your life and the Bible's full of stuff on the devil. You've got to realize he's your enemy. He's out to get you. And if you don't do something about him, he, he's got you. If you're not doing something about him, he has got you. And I believe he's got most Christians because, again, most Christians, are we living like Christ? <laughs> got a long ways to go, don't we? And so basically, the book of Ephesians tells us how to, um, by prayer, by prayer, Receiving faith, or by, by, by faith, receiving power and strength to live the life of Christ and to overcome sin. That's what it's about. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. All right? Because the way we become holy is through faith. It's real simple. Everything that we get from God only comes by faith. Faith in the name, faith in the word, faith in him. You can't get it any other way. There is no other way. God made it fair and just. Amen. Aren't you glad you don't have to have a lot of money to get something from God? Aren't you glad you have to make all kinds of great sacrifices to get something from God? No, all you have to do is believe. And I know some of you are thinking right now, well, that sounds too easy. Yeah, but have you tried it? <laughs> you probably tried it for healing or prosperity or take care of some kind of a need you had naturally or physically. And you realize that, you know, you've got to, there's more than just, you know, praying a prayer and that's it. Right? Because you must understand this. Anytime you truly go after something that God has given or promised, you will get opposition. The devil does not want you to be a person of faith. 
and especially a person of faith who's going after the true riches. And so he will show up. I want to tell you that right from the beginning. He will show up. The thief will come to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you go to Christ, he will come and he will give you life. His life. Divine ability. Holy power. Strengths. Amen. That's what it's all about. That, that's, what, that's what these last days are going to be all about. It's going to be about, about Christians getting serious with the Lord. Amen. And any time in history this happened, it always caused revival. So what is your responsibility? You know, because I said this is God's responsibility. You understand that you cannot change you to be like Jesus. Impossible. Don't even try. To be perfect like he's perfect? To be holy like he's holy? You cannot. Only God can do that. And he wants to. Do you want it? Are you using your faith for it? Are you seeking after it? Are you seeking after it like it's your high calling? It's what God wants you to do most. You see? That's what has to happen. And anytime Christians did this, anytime a group of Christians did it, uh, of course, they have to spend time in prayer, and they have to spend quality time in prayer. Um, they're, always, they're always followed with revival. That's what brings revival. It's Christians getting serious about, through prayer, getting a hold of God, and getting changed. Because you've got to realize you need to change, right? That's the first step. That's the first step in getting a, a sinner saved. They have to recognize that they are a sinner. That they were born with a sin nature. It was passed on to them from their parents. And was passed on to their parents all the way back to the parents of the human race, Adam and Eve. That's why Cain killed Abel. Right? A sin nature. And we all have that. We're all, or we, excuse me, we're all, we're all born with that in our natural birth. The only one that wasn't born with that was Jesus, because he's born of a virgin. Amen. He didn't have sin passed on to him by his natural father. He had no natural father. He's born holy, without sin. And he maintained it. He never sinned. He did that for you. <laughs> we owe him so much, don't we? And so what he wants now, he did all that for you. Now he says, okay, I didn't do this for you so you can continue to live a life of sin. This is rude. This is... This doesn't show gratitude. This, it's like, I know you suffered a lot, Jesus, for me, but I'm not going to put away some flesh. Even though it might mean some suffering for me temporarily, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay with it. What kind of person is that? You've got to evaluate that in your life. Because he did much for you. Amen. And so it should be our great desire to do anything, everything he wants. Amen. Amen. And so we have to, we have to recognize that, that we have a problem. That's why it says here in chapter 4, no, excuse me, chapter 5, he says, um, verse 14, 514, Ephesians 514, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. He's talking to the church in Ephesus. These are Christians. 
They were asleep. They were dead. That's what he said. That's what the Holy Ghost said. We know Paul wrote this, but it was authored, authored by the Holy Spirit, right? He knows everyone. And the church in Ephesus was, 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 was asleep. They were dead. What, what do you mean dead? Well, they were separated from God. You understand, just because you're a Christian it doesn't mean that you cannot be separated from God. If you sin, the Holy Spirit gets grieved. And you do some sins, he, he, he gets angry. Amen? That's a side of God people don't want to believe. No, behold the goodness and the severity of God. No, you can get him angry. And so we don't want that, do we? So, so, so we must understand that, that the church in Ephesus was asleep, and, and I believe basically today the church in the world is asleep. That's why that prophecy that seems like everybody knows about the sleeping giant, the church is asleep and tied down. But God's going to wake it up. Amen. He's going to wake it up. Hallelujah. And so if you look throughout the scriptures, you'll find also in the book of Revelation that Jesus talked about the church in Ephesus. What did he say about it? He said that he was disappointed in them, that they needed to repent. Why? Because they left their first love. Now, I know how it is to be born again and, and, and to fall in love with Jesus. When I got born again, that's all I wanted was Jesus. I was, I was absolutely crazy about him. And I've maintained that my life fairly well but a lot of Christians don't they get saved they, fall, they have that love for the Lord they, they love to worship him they love to read the Bible they love to come to church but, but then in time the devil steals it and they love this they love that they love the other thing they don't love Jesus you understand that not loving Jesus like you should is disobeying the first and greatest commandment the first and greatest commandment is not a little commandment. Amen. And so we, we have to understand if we're not doing this, then we're committing a great sin. That's what the church, the Christians in Ephesus were doing. Paul was waking it up here. Jesus was trying to wake it up with the apostle John. Amen. And he's trying to wake you up. So that you love Jesus. <laughs> what a way to live. There's nothing better to love. I'll tell you what, he'll take good care of you. He'll exalt you. He'll do great things through you. He'll make your life an adventure. And you're not too old. Forget that. It's ridiculous. God can, God can use a person who's bed stricken. To do great things. Amen. Well, he's not limited. And so that's why you see here in Ephesians 5, again in verse 27, when he talks about he's going to present his, his, his church here, verses, well, actually verses 26 and 27, that he's going to sanctify the, 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 and cleanse it with the washing of water of the word, and then he's going to present to himself a glorious church right in the middle of teaching on marriage. And he himself, Paul said himself, this is a mystery, I know that. But he wrote it in a mystery, and everything in the Bible is written in a mystery. Why? Well, so that you don't understand it. See? 
God gives revelation to those that are pure in heart. If you want Him, and you want to serve Him, and you want to work for Him, and you want to be committed to Him, oh yeah, the light will come. But if not, <laughs> you'll remain ignorant. And His people perish for lack of knowledge. No. God's eyes are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth. Find those that have their heart perfect toward Him. They want God. That's what they live for. And so you see here in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Verse 28, So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And then, you know, the verses prior to that and prior verses after that are all about marriage. Why is that? Well, the first thing that the Lord wants you to understand is that He wants from you a loyal love. You see? What man, what groom wants to marry a, a woman, no matter how beautiful she is, and she's got her eyes on everything but him. No, nah, he wants that woman crazy about him. <laughs> that's, what that man, that's what a man wants. And that's what Jesus wants. He wants a church. He wants believers that are crazy about him. He wants you to love him first and most. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And so you've got to work on that first and foremost. That's the first step you've got to work on. And that's what you're supposed to do anyway, right? Yes. <laughs> Doesn't matter if we're in the last days. If that's the first and greatest commandment, well, we certainly should be taking it seriously. Right? And again, you're, going to never, you're never going to really love somebody deeply if you, if, if you don't go after them, if you don't seek them, if you don't spend time with them. Right? And some people, the more you spend time with them, the less you like them. But that's not the case with Jesus. So I tell you that right now. Just the opposite. The more you know Him, the more you love Him. And of course, faith worketh by love. See, this is the reason why a lot of Christians, are, their faith's not working. Now, they don't have the first thing first. They're not loving the Lord. Their faith is weak. That's why when, you, you know, when we see this epistle, he starts out in chapter 1 in prayer. Listen, you, 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 cannot, you, you cannot do what God called you to do. You cannot be what God called you to be. You cannot accomplish these things if, if you don't seek God, if you don't pray. Christians are supposed to pray. And if they don't, then these things won't happen. That's why in Ephesians 1, the first thing that Paul taught, tells us, he, he prays for. He says in verse 17, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, what will change you? The glory of God. And, and, and God himself said in Numbers uh, chapter 14, I believe it is, he said, as certainly as I live, my glory shall fill the whole earth. There's a revival coming that's going to fill the whole earth. A lot of changes are going to happen. But prior to that, during the birth pains, the time before the tribulation that the church will be in, 
there, there are going to be people that are going to seek after the Lord like they never have before, and they're going to be great people of love. And they're going to be glorious people. They're going to be strong people, and the devil just won't be able to mess with them. <laughs> because it's going to be a church full. It's not going to be just the pastor or the pastor's wife or, you know, the assistants and the, the ministers. No, it's going, to be the, it's going to be that whole church. Whatever pastor takes this seriously, it's going to affect the whole. The church is going to become glorious. And so then, you know, thank God you're, learning, you're going to learn some things about evangelism. We need to. God gives us wisdom to win souls. And we need that wisdom. But I'll tell you what, you get filled with God and wisdom will flow like a mighty river through you and out of you. And witnessing, don't, 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 you won't have that. A lot of people have that attitude like, well, you know what? I, I'm, it's not really my gift to witness. It's everybody's, perp, uh, uh, everybody's responsibility to witness. Everybody. Amen. You just haven't got filled with God like, you, like you're going to. You get filled with God. Witness. Don't, don't worry about it. It's going to become easy. You're going to love it. Amen. When you start getting people born again every day, life is good. Amen. This is what we got to look forward to. Amen. But we got to do what he says. Amen. And so the first thing he says here, that, um, that he would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And so... What I want to say is this, prayer is extremely important and you're going to have to spend some time in prayer. You're going to have to set your love on God. You're going to have to go after it. You're going to have to go after knowing and loving God. It's got to be your life. That's what you're created for. Birds were created to fly. Fish were created to swim. And a bumblebee does what a bumblebee does because God created a bumblebee to do what the bumblebee does. And you were created by God in His likeness, in His image, to know Him, to fellowship with Him. He wants children. He wants people that are created like Him with a free will that choose from their heart to love Him, to know Him, to please Him, to do His will, to work together with Him. Out of your own free will, you want that. And again, you might say, well, I don't. I don't really want that. Well, that's why you start seeking Him and you know, His glory will change you. You start believing it. Start believing that the glory of God is transforming to the image of Christ. My Father in heaven is pruning me. Yeah. He's cutting away all those dead things that don't produce life. Jesus is washing me and cleansing me with the water of the word. I believe it. It's written. You see, we start going after these things. We'll change. And quickly. This is God's perfect will, I'm telling you. And that's what He wants for you. He wants to transform you. Make you something beautiful. Make you something wonderful. Make you a great blessing. Yeah. This is so important, isn't it? It's so important. Especially in these last days, because you understand, if you don't do this, you will fall. You will not stand like Ephesians 6 tells us to. You will not stand. You will fall. Many will fall in these last days. Many will be deceived. Jesus said so. Because there's many false prophets and there's much false teaching out there and it's taking people the wrong direction. This is the pure gospel. This is what you should be motivated for. This is what you need to develop a new hunger and thirst for. And it works. I'm telling you, it works for me. 
It's been working for everyone I preached to. Everyone's listened and started doing it. But you must realize that the enemy will come. When you make it your goal to know God, the enemy will come. Because, see, you've been assigned a, 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 a devil, a demon has been assigned to you. Just like an angel has been assigned to you, Satan assigned a demon to you. And his main objectives keep you away from God. Because Christians that are full of God are very dangerous to his kingdom. And when you make a decision that that's going to be first place in your life, you're going to start loving the Lord. You're going to start seeking the Lord. You're going to know God. Praise God, that will happen, but you've got to understand all kinds of ugly things are going to happen. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. He's going to try to stop you. Many different ways. How many times have you gotten serious with God and really started going after it, then lost it? Because something happened. <laughs> what was that all about? Yeah. So, through prayer, we receive power. To become like Christ. Amen. To be holy. That's why Isaiah said, They that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They're the ones that will be able to mount up on wings of eagles. That means that they're, going to be, they're going to be the high people. We see throughout the Bible, great people of God. They're going to run and not be weary. That means they're going to do what God called them to do. They're going to run their race. They're going to walk. And not faint or not fall. Like the Bible says many will do in the last days. Why? Because they receive strength from their God every day. Yeah. They came and they got that life. That sap that comes from abiding in the vine. I know this is not nothing new. This, you've heard this before, right? You know all this. Have I said anything you didn't know before? I don't think so. I think you know all this. But it shows how deceptive the devil is and how easy he can trick people. Man, he got a third of the angels. You know, I'm not honoring him, but we must understand our enemy. He's very good at what he does. He's been doing it a long time. And if he can get a third of the angels deceived, <laughs> he's pretty sharp with evil. I don't admire that. I spit on that. No, it's nothing to brag about that you're very intelligent with evil. Makes you evil. Makes you a creature I don't want to be around. But you've got to understand, that's the way he is. One time he had the whole world, but eight people, deceived. Come on, he's your enemy. You've got to know him. He deceived that first generation that were promised an abundant life in the promised land. These are all warnings to the church. These are all warnings to you as a Christian. You don't want to fall. What's it mean to fall? Well, one thing means is it means to be lukewarm or cold. And that's, you know, Jesus, he told us what he thought about that. He wants to spit it out of his mouth. You know, don't make God... Um, don't make a religion of God in your mind. And that's what a lot of people have done. They say, well, I'm saved, I'm righteous, you know, I'm okay. That's a dangerous way to live. No, you don't want to live that way. That's not, that's not the way to live anyway. That's not the true life. Living in sin is not the true life. That is not the life of Christ. Jesus Christ 
is the way to true life. The way Jesus lived is the true life. Any life other than that is a false life. If you're not living the life of Christ, if that's not important to you, if you're not seeking after it, if you're not believing for it, then you're not living the real life. You're not living a true life. You're living a deception. Like so many others are. I'm not picking on anybody here. I'm preaching to myself here. That's why you've got to first of all realize that, like it says here in Ephesians chapter, chapter, chapter 5, like Paul said to the Ephesian church back then, he says, wake up, thou that sleepest. You see? Arise from the dead. You see? Christians, most of them are, this is where you're at. You've got to wake up. You've got to recognize that, that your sins have separated from, you, from your God. This is how you get fire. This is how you get revived. Yeah. By repenting. Okay, so just ask yourself. I'm not here to judge anybody. Okay, I'm not judging you. I'm giving you the word of God and helping you to judge yourself. You know, are you committing the first commandment? Are you committing sin against the first commandment? Okay, if you are, repent. That means change. That doesn't mean, yes, Lord, I confess my sins. I know you're faithful and just forgive my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. With most Christians, you show the Bible on the floor or on the chair, it opens to verse John 1, 9. That's all they're doing about their sins. Just, you know, confessing them and asking God to be merciful, to forgive them and cleanse them. And I believe He does. If you do it in faith, He does. But there needs to be repentance. Repentance means a change of thinking, a change of believing, a change of way you're doing things. You make that change. And the number one change you need to make is you need to set your love on Jesus. You need to go after it. So how do you do that? Well, you wake up. What's that mean? Well, you set your alarm clock and you wake up. Now I lost most of you. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. What are you talking about here? What, you trying to get a commitment for me to get up early? Yep. I am. There's, there was never a revival without this. You understand? And that's what's happening is, is God is getting us ready for this, this glorious outpouring of His Spirit. And, and so you, you want to be a part of that, right? So it means you're going to have to pray, right? That means you're going to have to take it serious. You're going to have to make it your, your purpose in life. It's more important than anything else. Because it is the first commandment. And recognize in that that the enemy is going to try to stop it. But if you stay with it, if you make this quality decision, yeah, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to love the Lord. Then you'll see. He'll start working in you. Amen. He'll start cleaning you up. Awake. Arise from the dead. And so when, what I mean by awake, I mean is you have, to, you have to get on a schedule. If this is going to be most important to you, then you're going to have to get on it like it's most important to you. And so you have to make a schedule. And you have to stay with it and be consistent with it and do it every day. And when you don't do it, you, 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 you repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. But as you do that, this is what will happen. You'll start, you'll start falling in love with the Lord. You'll see Him start cleaning up your life just like you're believing. But also, the devil will come. 
That's why he says here in Ephesians 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, and throughout the, throughout the epistles, he's talking about, you know, things you're not supposed to do, things you're supposed to do. And Christians, you basically know. You're not supposed to lie. You're not supposed to steal. You're not supposed to talk bad about people. These things are mentioned in the book of Ephesians. You know, what, what, what things we're, we're supposed to put off and what things we're supposed to put on. You know, we don't need to make a list of sins, do we? No, but maybe you do. Right? Number one. I'm not going to break the first commandment ever again in my life. I'm going to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I'm going to back it up. My words, by action, I'm going to seek Him. I'm going to seek Him in prayer. I'm going to seek Him in the Word. I'm going to love God. This is what I was created for. I cannot neglect this anymore. This has to be my priority, and it will be from this day on. Amen. And then, and then go after it. Set your alarm and get up and spend quality time with the Lord. How much time? Well, that's between you and God. But I tell you, when you start doing this, you know, every, every moment you have, you find a place to go get near Him. I'm telling you, it becomes good. No longer is prayer a chore, it becomes a delight. Because when you do this on a consistent basis, you know, it's easier to, to get in His presence. And that's what you want. That's what you covet. That's what you desire. That's what you hunger and thirst for is, is for His presence. You know now you've been spending time with Him and, and, he, and, he's, and, and he's, he's revealing things to you. He's, he's enlightening you. See, many times Christians get frustrated because they pray and they think that we know God's going to speak to them audibly or something like that. And I'm not saying He won't. You know, that's still a small voice. He does that for me. I've never heard Him loud audibly speak to me yet. But I'm not looking for that. What I'm looking for is what Jesus is doing. And what Jesus is doing, he's building his church on the rock. Revelation. Enlightenment. When you spend quality time with the Lord, that's what happens. He starts revealing things to you. He starts showing you things in your life and from the word. He, sh he starts showing you mostly what, you know what he shows you mostly? Mostly what he shows you is himself and the way he is. Because then what he does, he introduces you to that so that you can become like that. He's not showing you that just so that you admire that. He's showing you that so you can become that. And that's what he'll work on. And when he shows you that, you're blessed. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? When Peter said, you're, you're, you're Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, blessed are you, Peter. He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that, reveal that to you. My Father, which is in heaven, he revealed that to you. Amen. And he said, upon this rock, he's going to build his church. Amen. So what happens here, I'm going to say this quickly. I know it's time to go. But what happens is you'll, become, you'll start getting strong. And that's what you need. You need strength. You know, most Christians are just very spiritually weak. Because they haven't been receiving spiritual things. They haven't been seeking God. They haven't been serious about spiritual things. If you weren't serious about eating, you would get physically weak. Right? Yes. If you weren't serious about drinking water, you would get very weak. And so the same is true when it comes to spiritual things. But God wants you strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You see? Nowhere does the Bible tell you to be strong in your power and your might. No, 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 no. No strong in Him. See, And so then if, as you go on through here, he talks about putting on the armor of God. Why? Because there's principalities and powers. There's rulers of darkness. 
There's wicked spirits in the high places. There's devils. There's demons everywhere. And they're out to get the church. And the last days are going to increase. He's going to send more and more because he knows his days are almost over. All right? And so you're going to have to deal with them. It doesn't matter if you, you know, believe Jesus took care of them or not. They're, they're going to come after you. They're going to try to stop you. They're going to hinder you. They're going to do things. So the answer is get strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Then you won't have a problem with them. You see? And then he tells you how to get strong. He says, first of all, he says, you need to put on. In Ephesians 4, when he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, what is he talking about? Well, he explains it right here in chapter 6. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the armor of God. You know? Amen. Who is the truth? We talk about the belt of truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. And he's the way to, the tr to true life. You see? And so every day, if you come to him, you come to the Father in his name, he'll give you truth. Amen. That will deliver you from all the deceptions that you're in. Because you've got to recognize that, 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 that the devil's good at deceiving people and there's deceptions that you have to overcome. That God will, will change in you and enlighten you so that you know the truth and it will make you free. Because God doesn't want you bound by anything. And he can set you free of anything. So when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ and we put on the belt of truth, what we have to understand is one thing that we need to see from this is that we're supposed to worship him in spirit and truth. Right? And, and, and a Christian who doesn't spend a lot of time thanking and praising God and worshiping God, they get weak. Right? And how many examples do we have in the Bible where people were strong in the Lord by worshiping and praising God and God delivered them from their enemy? You see? I, I know. You've heard lots of messages about praise and worship and thanksgiving, right? But have you done them? Have you lived them? And we must also understand that, 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 that there's a protocol to go to God. You can't just go there any way you want to. You go there all, you know, stinky and ugly. The throne's not open to you. You go there with any kind of attitude. No. This is the highest throne in the universe. There's a protocol. And that protocol is thanksgiving and praise and honor and reverence to your creator. Yes, he's your father that loves you, but he's your creator. And, and, and just like you go to him, that's how, that, that's how you leave. You never leave after you've been in the presence of God without, again, giving him praise and worship and glory and honor. Because he is God. And you're at his throne. And now you're exiting. You see? Jesus taught us the very basic principles of prayer. And what Jesus said about prayer is most important. And the first thing he said about prayer in Matthew chapter 7... He says, when you go to God, you go to your closet. You shut the door. And the, the, the God in secret rewards you openly. See, the most important thing that we know about prayer, and prayer is many things. There's many ways to pray. There's many things we're supposed to pray about written in the book. But number one, this prayer is communing with God. It's getting alone with Him. And this is what will make you a strong, a strong person. God can take any person and make them strong if they love Him. 
Pretty simple. Don't, you know, it doesn't matter what weaknesses you have. Don't come to me and tell me about all your weaknesses and all your inabilities. These things mean nothing to God. He can change these things very simply if you love Him. So anyway, what I do, and I don't have time. I've got to stop here. I know I went too long. But what I do is, is I put on the armor of God every day. And what I mean by that is I, as I go to God and I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I receive from Him truth. I'm not going to be deceived today. No. I'm not going to walk in darkness. And I'm going to live my life today praising Him, worshiping Him. And I'm going to receive from the Spirit of truth all day long. Amen. And I'm going to overcome all those lies that the devil's trying to throw at me. All those distractions that are trying to keep my eyes off of him and on, on something else. And so I go through here. I, I wish I had time to, to, to minister on each one of these, but I don't. And I'm, I apologize for that. But, but, but this is what I do. I receive, I receive these abilities. Each one of these pieces of armor represents something about Christ that makes us strong so we can overcome the devil. You see? The breastplate of righteousness. Yes, you're made righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ if you're born again. But the Bible, Jesus also said that we should hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are there things in your life that are wrong? Can God change them? Can He make them right? Does He want to? Are you believing Him? You see? It comes back, back, all back down to that. Are you going after it? And, and, and this is where the church has failed. This is where Christians have failed. Uh, especially in the charismatic and word of faith and independent type ministries and churches. You know, they, they, just have, they just rested on the fact that they're the righteous God in Christ, not putting off, they're not putting on. And, and, and this, is, this is, is, is completely opposite of the way you're supposed to live. This is what you're supposed to be focused on. This is your high calling. Amen. And this will prepare you. You'll see. God will change you. Hallelujah. Father, thank you.